business, leadership, high performance, the journey. All right, you guys, today, uh, very excited. Uh, we have a fantastic guest with a ton of personality. Uh, our guest today is a visionary, uh, catalyst, and game changer. Uh, he's energized by inspiring company leaders and equipping them with unique approaches to better understand their people, foster organizational alignment, and create optimum performance among their team members. Uh, originally from Bath, England, he's now the CEO and visionary at Titus Talent Strategies, uh, which is actually an EOS company. Uh, so Jonathan Reynolds, welcome today. Hey, thank you. Thanks so much, Patrick. Good to be here. Hey, you bet. Um, any opportunity to talk with you, I get excited by it, man. You've got some serious energy and vision for what you're doing, and it is contagious. Love it. Yeah, awesome. No, and yeah, I'm excited to share a little bit of a, a few items that we're kind of diving into together. But um, for our listeners here, I have to say... Um, that Jonathan, those of you that are not familiar with him, um, this guy has some serious character. So as I was looking through his LinkedIn profile recently, I, I noticed three of your LinkedIn skills were jokes, awesomeness, and kicking ass. <laughs> hey, and I didn't, I didn't actually say they're my skills. I think other people nominated that, so I, I can't take credit for it. <laughs> I can't take credit for me, me kicking ass. <laughs> oh, funny. No, uh, but super anxious to ha have you on the show uh, to really share with the audience um, Titus Talent Strategies and really the unique approach that you guys really take to talent in hiring Jonathan. And myself having a slight background in recruiting, um, I really respect what and how your team approaches um, just recruiting and hiring in general because it can be a really dirty industry that gets a pretty bad rap. And I know when I first, uh, when you and I had our first call, which would have been Oh, I think this past winter, uh, about six months ago from when we we're recording this, or at least probably eight or nine months maybe, but I was thoroughly, thoroughly impressed with how you guys do things, the guarantees that you put in place with hiring, and really just the big why and the and the real reason for doing it, I think, is, is so unique. So I'm excited to get into that today. Yeah, sure. All right. Um, before we get into some of, some of kind of your background and growing up in England, I know I want to dive into... But um, I did want to announce uh, Jonathan and I, our companies, so uh, Titus Talent Strategies and actually PMN Associates uh, have actually become uh, strategic partners somewhat. Uh, so Ben Murphy, their, their VP, is actually um, going to strategically partner with our team uh, at PMN Associates and, and help fill that hiring, recruiting pipeline piece um, that, that we are really offering to companies that are really looking for help. Um, with just getting the right people in the right seat, uh, because as as people around here know, especially in the Midwest, recruiting is such a challenge. Uh, it's hard to get. It's hard to get good people. It's hard. To, it's even harder to keep good people. So, so Jonathan, we're extremely excited to have to have you guys um, partner uh, partner with us, and we're extremely humbled that um, that you would uh, that you do that. I didn't know anything about that. <laughs> no, I'm joking. I did. I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> it is. It is exciting. I think alliance partnerships that we have with um, across the country, people like yourself, it's just all about making sure that we're aligned on vision, values, and what our end game is. And if we're, uh, especially because you're EOS, implementing yourself, I love the value of serve first. And uh, that is very, very much in our DNA of how do we equip companies to really get the right people in the right seats 
and how do we equip those companies to develop those people and really make sure they're hitting their, their people and performance objectives of the company. So I knew that we had a great alignment with you at the beginning and it was a privilege to partner with you in this way. So yeah, we're really pumped about it. Really pumped about it. Yeah, same here. Definitely. So uh, as I mentioned uh, to our listeners, Jonathan, born in Bath, England, uh, moved to the States when you were, was it 18, right? Yeah, 18. Yeah. Okay, so let, let's let's go back to growing up in England uh, before you came to the states. Um, tell me just a little bit about your upbringing, some of your big influences. Um, what was life like over there compared to what you see in in raising kiddos in the states now? Yeah, um, so yeah, I moved here in '98, and uh, I'm youngest of five kids. Very um, passionate, world changing family. My parents are in their seventies. They, uh, they thought early on, just give you a kind of context of the kind of wildness of my family. Um, they thought early on that they wanted to go and change the world and uh, uh, thought that they probably, after they get married, they were going to go and um, live in Afghanistan and bring, uh, just see that country be impacted and uh, transformation from education, from leadership training and uh, uh, everything from school to healthcare. They had this real vision for Afghanistan. So they, they kind of put their stakes down. So we're going to get married there. So they got married in Afghanistan, uh, then ended up uh, started having kids in England and decided to hold on there, which I'm really thankful for. <laughs> I wasn't born there. I was born in Bath, England, which is a beautiful, beautiful Roman city. That's where I grew up all of my, my uh, growing up years. And it wasn't until I left home and uh, moved on as the, the youngest of five kids that my parents ended up then moving to Afghanistan. They're in their 70s now, and that's where they live. Uh, so they're pretty wild. They run a consultancy there, which runs on EOS, by the way, um, of course. which is pretty cool. Um, uh, but yeah, all of my siblings are mover shakers in their, whatever field they're in, entrepreneurs and uh, um, <clears throat> yeah, just world changers. And so... Um, I had that bug in me from a young age, always looking for opportunities to uh, not just make a buck, but do get get people to kind of lean in and say, "Wow, that's that's a cool that's a cool opportunity you have here," or something you're rallying people around a, a shared vision and mission. And uh, so, yeah, I, um, in my teen years, I thought, "Man, I just I, I gotta I gotta get out of get out of an environment that." everybody seems to know me by my last name and uh, my, my family, my siblings, my parents. And so I said, I'm going to America. And, uh, so I moved to Texas in 98 and, uh, my, my funnest moment when I arrived in Texas, somebody said to me, well, well where, where are you from? And I said, well, I'm from England. And they said, well, how long did it take you to learn English? <laughs> um, and, uh, I, I, I kept a straight face and I figured, huh, um, I think I think this lady's serious. Um, so I said, "Oh, I um, no one really taught me. I picked it up as I went along." Uh, <laughs> I said, "I don't know, eighteen years or something like that." And she said, "Oh, you speak English in England?" And I said, "Yeah, they, yeah, they speak English there, and they speak wow. French in France, German in Germany." And I, I said, "So I said, it's actually our language, and you stole it and screwed it up." <laughs> um, and uh, then I, I, I like to think that she's still there in Tyler, Texas, confused at which language she speaks, but. Uh, but yeah, you didn't notice on my, my LinkedIn bio that says I'm bilingual. I speak British English as well. Yeah. So I can I can switch <laughs> back and forth. I can do American if you need me to, which sounds like some weird Southern California person. 
your but, uh, your, your but, yeah, Texas Southern um, draw there was pretty good. I will admit. <laughs> yeah. How you doing there, ma'am? <laughs> <laughs> G, excuse me. Did I what? So, G? so did you, you eat? Yeah. Oh, you know. <laughs> G yet? Yeah. So when you when you came to te- why why Texas? So when you decided to come to the states, I mean, obviously everything's bigger and better in Texas. Yeah, but- B- big part of my kind of growing up was um, faith. Uh, my, my my dad, my pastor's kid, um, and uh, faith was pretty uh, pretty important to us growing up. And uh, so I came out to do a um, work with a Christian missions organization in Texas and traveled mainly in Asia, taking American high school kids on. Um, some relief aid, some um, different types of Christian mission trips in their summer vacation. So I got to travel to India, Nepal, and Thailand, and China. It's awesome taking these high school kids around around the world, just getting their, their eyes open to the world. So that's I originally came here, worked in Texas for a couple of years. Then I ended up in the Midwest, uh, Kenosha, Wisconsin, and uh, which really launched me into uh, my recruiting uh, recruiting career, if you will. Which I, uh, I can talk about that at some point. Mm-hmm. Okay. So yeah, and and before you even got involved with with Titus, eventually down the road, I mean, you spent some time doing biz development. You were a sales manager, um, correct? Yeah, yeah. I was. I, I started off my kind of working career in sales. Realized that um, selling products um, to people over the phone was um, was just not my not my deal. I, I love people, and uh, I figured, man, there must be there must be an industry that, that combines selling. I love kind of like solution sales and people. And so I came across the recruiting industry and I was like, oh my gosh, there is an industry that you can sell people legally. This is great. <laughs> so um, so that's, that's how I got into the recruiting industry. And it wasn't very long before I realized that it was a very dirty industry. Um, and when I say selling people legally, I'm obviously being um, just a little bit silly with that. Uh, but uh I saw a lot of lack of integrity in the industry. It was quite a dirty industry. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's kind of the same connotations when people say used car sales. They're not meaning it in a positive way. And we're not saying that all used car sales people are bad and have poor character. But there's some kind of a connotation there that arises. Going, You're in it for yourself. You're in it for the big commission check. You're going to sell me something I don't want. You're going to get me to uh, reg- – I'm going to regret my decision. And that's very much, well, recruiting – industry can be like the agency recruiting and people yeah everyone you may know a good recruiter out there but um you you get that feeling that they're kind of in it for themselves and uh so that's and i got into that space i thought somebody needs to turn this on its head somebody needs to re-engineer this somebody needs to look at recruiting in a through a different lens and although it was a you know multi-billion dollar industry that's been around for 150 years doing it exactly the same way pretty much um i just thought that there was a somebody could look at this with a different lens and uh Mm -hmm. so so yeah that's how we started um what we now do 10 years on titus talent strategies yeah what you know like i said i i have some experience in recruiting as well i spent six months six months doing uh six months (laughs) six months doing executive (laughs) that's the the dirty industry you're talking about (laughs) no kidding right (laughs) No, I, yeah, I, I spent six months doing uh, executive recruiting as well. And to me, it seemed very, um, it was very transactional. You know, it was very, uh-huh. I don't know, there, there are parts of it to me that seemed very, very fake, build a relationship, you know, transactional. And then boom, people are just getting dumped and people are left wondering, like, what about me? Yeah. You know, so what, 
What yeah. what was it that you really wanted to see change? Because Titus is so different. I mean, like I said, the first time I talked with you guys, I was just like blown away. I mean, just how you guys do things so differently and how you prioritize all the right things. Um, what was it yeah. about recruiting that really kind of made you see how it should be done? Yeah, I'll, I'll, go, I'll go back to so when I was, I was sitting right coming out of the 2010 um, or the recession around 2010, I was sitting with Milwaukee Tool. And uh, I, I was I just joined this. Um, I was sitting there with this. I joined this new firm. And I was wanting to sell traditional contingent recruiting, you know, the big 25% fees. And, mm-hmm. um, and here I was, I'm like, just give us something to work on. And, uh, and they, they said, Jonathan, one of the executive VPs over there said, Jonathan, we, we, we can't spend money on recruiting right now. There's 12% unemployment rate. We're not doing it. And I, I said, well, if you post an ad, you're going to get 500 applicants. And they said, yeah, we know. And I said, and weeding through those is very time consuming. How would you know if you're getting the, the, the good ones? And they said, yeah, good point. And I said, well, I understand Milwaukee Tool has got a great brand. You really look for, um, for top performers. Do you think those who are applying are the top performers? And it was kind of like, well, probably not. And I said, okay, well, what if we do this? What if we just take a moment, take a step back? You don't want to pay those headhunting fees. What if we craft something really unique and special? And it was just one of those moments, kind of the kind of heavens open moments, like, like here's this amazing idea, and I'm not mocking that. It did. It felt like this was a mm-hmm. god moment that I was. I had something put into my lap um, and space to create something unique and special. And so right there and then, I said, "Okay, what if we do this? I will dedicate our salaried recruiter. They won't get a paid a penny commission for d- filling positions for you, and I'll dedicate them exclusively to you to go and find passive candidates." And we'll assume that those who are applying, you're going to get those ones. If they can't find you on their own, we're probably not ones that you want anyway. But the ones you're not going to notice and who are not going to notice you are heads down, top performer, A players working somewhere else. And we realize that the A players make career moves very differently than C players. And usually in our hiring, we attract C players. Those who are looking for a job, those who are running away from something, as opposed to someone who is running to something, um, and so we, we realized that A players make career moves differently than Bs and Cs by, by, by three major components. One is A players, when they make a career move, it's for something bigger. It's a challenge. It's got to be something that's more challenging. They've never done it before at that scale. Now, not never, ever, but done that. You know, you hire an engineer who's never done engineering. But it's got to be something bigger on day one. Day one has got to be a slightly bigger job than they've ever done before. And we say somewhere in the 10 to 20% bigger mm-hmm. um, and because uh, they want to challenge. And then, and then 18 months down the road, if they can't see where they're going, an A player won't make that move. Now, it's not saying they're going to get a promotion, but they need to know where they're going. If, if, an a, if A players, in the interview, they want to know what the future of your company is. They, they aren't just happy for their new job. They see that they're building towards something that's impactful for them. And that last component is impact. They can see the impact on the world around them. The world around them can mean all kinds of different things, but you've got, they need to be able to articulate by taking this role that they can see impact on the world around them. So it might be that I'm not more present for my kids. It might be that I um, can do some philanthropic work. It might mean mm-hmm. that the company is a world-changing company, but they can see that this career move, leaving their company where they're probably going to get a counteroffer if they're an A player, 
that they say, nope, nope, nope. It's a bigger job. There's better trajectory and there's more impact. Yeah, I, I love so that. That was right there and then. Yeah. So, yeah. I, I love what you said, Jonathan, about hiring, about looking for those passive people that are looking for the challenge, you know, because like you said, people that are filling out resumes and applying for jobs, a lot of times they are exactly like you said, running from something, you know, they're, they're, mm -hmm. they're displeased with something. They're not getting what they want. Um, unfortunately, you know, you find people that are complainers and they're never going to be happy in anything, you know, and not just, not to put a label on people that are you know, all people, because obviously that's not the case, but, you know, sure. to, yeah, yeah. but yeah, to put that focus on people that you're high achievers, you're high performers, because they do, they do look at things and approach that entire scenario completely differently. You know, they, they do have to see it's that a, long, they do have to pitch, see that long-term vision. Yeah. It's, it, that's the sale pitch in recruiting, which we, we often forget that, um, if you look at most job postings, the job descriptions, they, they're not going to attract an A player. They were, okay, so there's this list of duties. Yeah. Okay. Pretty, pretty generalized. You know, I'll, speak now to, I'll speak to your, um, I imagine a lot of your, your listeners run on EOS, so they're familiar with the entrepreneurial operating system. Just as a great tip is what we, we love working with EOS-run companies. We'll take the VTO and we'll turn it into a, a, a career marketing doc. It's, it's a, something that's like an ad that tells not about the job, but it tells about where this company's going, mm -hmm. who they are by values. So often we look at our vision, traction, organize our VTO is a document for internal use only. We turn it and make it external. Oh, we make it sure. an external document that actually can market for talent. Because if we're all fighting for talent right now, people need to see where they're going. It's great. And EOS, I'd imagine EOS run companies retain more talent than non. Um, just with the clarity of vision and yep. all of the all of the processes that we run on, yep, but do. attracting them, use the VTO. It's amazing. So we we just have a simple process to turn it into uh, an ad, a marketing piece, which is really really helpful. But so right there and then, sitting with Milwaukee Tool, we decided that we're going to be exclusive passive candidate headhunting firm. We only represent companies. We don't represent candidates. We don't find people jobs. We have no database of candidates that we're sort of flinging resumes around. That was one of the broken pieces. We weren't going to pay our people commission for filling roles because that was one of the reasons that would motivate people to sell candidates on jobs and sell sell companies on candidates, which I felt that was a broken piece. Uh, and the other component was, um, well, a major component was um, that uh, we were going to run on EOS. And running on EOS meant that we had to answer some really, really challenging um, really, really challenging um, problems. And one of the challenging problems was uh, process. Uh, what, is our, what is our process that's followed by all and that we literally follow by all for our clients? So we had to develop a process, which for recruiting industry, they, most people don't have a process. So we call it hire for performance, which we, we, we literally, we certify companies in it. We've done it for 10 years. We train people on how to run um, their hiring on hire for performance or H4P. And then the other component was our guarantee. We had to come up with our guarantee following EOS, which I wrestled with for years. I'll be honest. It was, I would sit in our quarterly and our annuals and, and it would be, what's our guarantee? And I'd say, I'd say, we can't guarantee people. I'd be a billionaire if I could guarantee people. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Um, and so, so it finally came to us, what would it take? What would it actually take for, for us to guarantee that anyone we recommend 
uh, was a, a 100% performer. And uh, so we started asking that question, which I can tell you more about that, but I'll pause for a second. Yeah, and you don't uh, find yeah. that in the recruiting industry. I mean, a guarantee, maybe beyond, you know, beyond 30 days, 60 days, 90 days if you're lucky. But, I mean, you guys, you guarantee, what, up to a year, correct? Yeah, and that was the, the big thing. is I don't, We don't want to guarantee – and most guarantees are we'll guarantee them. And what is, what is the guarantee that they don't quit? Um, and like, why are we hedging our bets on that? You know, uh, wasn't the point of what's the point of hiring is the big question. So we sat we sat in one of our meetings with the leadership team. So what's the point in hiring? Which is it's silly to say that. You feel a bit embarrassed, don't you? But the question is, why do we hire people? And uh, or how do you define quality? You know, how do you define quality of hire? And so we, we came down to it. So the only reason we actually hire people or should hire people is not that they just fit our culture. We don't hire people so they fit our culture. That's not the purpose of hiring, is it? <laughs> no one goes to their boss and says, hey, boss, I need to hire somebody else from my team. Oh, wh- what for? I just need a culture fit. <laughs> okay? <laughs> that would be you, a bad strategy a for like, some companies. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I need a friend, you know? <laughs> it sounds like you're saying, I just need someone to go out with for drinks on Friday night, yeah. you know? Okay, that's not here. I'm not paying for that. What do you want them to do, achieve, or accomplish for them to be considered successful? And that was the big killer question. Getting companies to realize and think about performance, objectives, and outcomes as opposed to to to-do lists and job descriptions, uh, which married so well with EOS was, Really, what is on the accountability chart, but really driving it home and saying, not just that it gets done, but let's define how we measure the success of the done. And so we said, okay, what would it take to guarantee three to five major objectives to be accomplished by the anniversary date? Which, you know, everybody's like, you're an idiot. Don't do that. You know, why? there's way too many factors you'd need to know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I called some of my mentors and said, you know, what, what, what was, if we guaranteed 100% performance? And he said, Charlton, you're an idiot. He's like, there are too many factors. And I said, like what? And he said, well, um, the clarity of the manager, do they really know what the objectives are? And I said, well, that's a problem, isn't it? <laughs> the hiring managers don't even know what the person needs to get done. And I said, well, we'll only work on searches when we can clarify that. Um, and he said, well, what about personality fit? And I said, okay, if we figure those things out with psychometric assessments and work behavior assessments, what about values? What about culture? And I said, yeah, we can figure those things out too. Um, and so we started asking, so we basically came down and we call it the head, the heart, and the briefcase. The head is their behaviors and cognitive. The heart is all about value alignment, uh, which is core values really. But we make sure that there are behaviors with each one of those. So we have to define the values by behaviors because we have to be able to interview for them. And then the last is uh, the briefcase, which is what do they really need to do, achieve, or accomplish to be considered successful? Before I start recruiting, I need to know what those things are because now I've got to find somebody who can, will do, and wants to do that in your environment. So it's the head-heart briefcase with our four-phase process enable us to slap on a guarantee of 100% performance of anyone we recommend. And it's been, been very well received, well, wild, wildly received, and we've... Uh, We've, uh, we're Inc. 5000 fastest growing for the last two years in a row, and it's been, it's been great. A massive thanks to EOS um, and running on EOS. Uh, it's just been great. Well, I know I know you guys do an absolutely fantastic job, and that was one 
I mean, that was a big driver behind um, myself really wanting to partner with you guys because you do do things so differently. You know, you mentioned the head, the heart, the briefcase. I think a lot of companies, um, they focus so much on just the skill set. You know, I think they talk maybe yeah. they talk maybe values fit and things like that, but they focus so much on the skill set. Well, you can you can have the most skilled person in the world that fits a job to a T, but if they aren't a great fit for your for your company, I mean, it's it's never going to work. Yeah, it's. I mean, I think there's a lot of um, a lot of companies really kind of get get messed up that in that area. I know that it's um. I think it was well over fifty percent of executive hires um, don't last eighteen months. Um, this is a, a report that came out by Vistage, the uh, peer advisory group, and um, the world's largest um, executive peer advisory group. And uh, they came out and said over 50% of executive hires don't make it in the first 18 months. And the answer was due to process. There is no pr- written down process that people are following. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, it comes down to a lot of our hires. We We try and find somebody who's got the the experience or skill to do the job because we don't want to train anyone. And usually, usually we don't want to, you know, here's the job. I just want somebody to get in sit in the seat and do the job. Thanks very much. But, um, cause we, we don't want to train and we want to hit the ground running. But, but remember a players, they go because they want a bigger challenge. They want to do something they've never done before. And so we need to find people who've actually not done the job before, but we need to be really clear on value alignment um, and having a scorecard in our assessment for values, like how you know how are we grading these people for, from a uh, from a value alignment and what they bring to the table. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, are they a, um, a culture ad? What are they bringing to us? I remember I interviewed somebody from a. It was actually a, a competitor in a geographic area of our company, and it was a it was a you know high up executive from a competitor. I interviewed them and I said, Yeah, you're a, you're a perfect match of what we call head heart briefcase. Uh, but you don't add anything to us. You're more of the same. And even though the, the scorecards are, you have to consider what this person brings in addition to what your company's missing. And we are a f- committed to uncomfortable growth and fast growth company. And uh, we needed somebody who was going to get us to the next level, not just remain the same. And so part of our scorecard, it, there was a, it was very, very much aligned, except a couple of areas from a growth perspective. And it was really helpful to actually have some kind of a system and a process and a scorecard to, to make sure that we didn't hire a perfect fit. Does that make sense? Like mm-hmm. fit can be, make you, make you more of the same. And I didn't want more of the same. I wanted somebody who's going to get us to the next level, but I wouldn't have been able to articulate that had I not followed a process and have it with a scorecard. Yeah. I don't, I think a lot of companies miss the boat on that. Um, they hire skill first. They don't think they don't consider values, but, um, they try to they try to find like you said that perfect person that you know you, you hear the term in recruiting the unicorn you know the unicorn that yeah. um, that has all the yeah. skills that's the perfect values fit well it's like good luck finding that person you know I think I think you're better off getting the right values fit the person that's going to be an awesome blend in your culture and give them the tools give them the resources to to excel them even further from a from a uh, briefcase standpoint, I guess, as you would put it. Yes. Yeah. That's, I mean, so I think that, that really wakes people out when we, we don't, they say, oh, I'll, let, I'll send you the job description. They say, well, we, well, there's two things we don't work with, job descriptions and resumes, because they both lie. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and people go, oh, everyone has resumes lie, but job descriptions, like, yeah, job descriptions don't really describe the job. And rarely do they, I should say, rarely do they describe the job. And so asking questions of what is this person, fast forward a year, let's say that they're an amazing hire, you're sitting down on a happy anniversary, so glad you joined us. What have they done? That's the number one thing they've done that makes you say that. Because the point in hiring, again, is somebody gets something done. So what have they done? Well, they're, they're a salesperson. Great. So you hired a sales, sales leader, killer salesperson. So what have they done? Oh, they've just built great relationships in the area. Really? Like, is that really what you want from your salesperson, just to build great relationships? Or are you looking for revenue? Because they, they might have gone out for 200 lunches and built great relationships. Will you really be happy with that? Well, no, we want some revenue from them. Okay, well, what kind of revenue do you want? Is it a million? Is it 500,000? Is it 10 million? What do you really need to show by the anniversary date? And it really helps you to start thinking by performance objectives, and then you can back your way into it. So I mean, a great book on this is Measure What Matters by John Dewar. Um, and it's all about, the, um, uh, about really defining um, outcomes uh, and results as opposed to activities. Yep, inspect what you expect, right? Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's right. So, so obviously, Jonathan. I mean, you guys help Titus. Uh, Titus Talent helps build great companies by finding them great people. But it obviously starts with you guys as a company yourselves. So, I know you're a big guy into the idea of servant leadership. You know, uh, as a company, uh, Titus. You know, very philanthropic. Your guys' big goal is 30 million donated by 2030. Um, you are all about creating a people-first culture within your own organization right away. Speak to that a little bit. Yeah, it's, it's good. I mean, it's, it really is important to us. I think when you when you start um, crafting your company and deciding um, kind of who you are and where you want to go, I remember sitting down with our leadership team and said, okay, let's, let's really craft this thing. Because I think, I don't know, if it, for me anyway, it's almost like stumbled into business assembled into this people, people space. Um, it wasn't like I set out and said, one day when I grow up, I want to be a recruiter. You know, that would be like saying one day I want to grow up and be a ninja, you know, like <laughs> what, you know, where'd you come up with that? Thing from? I don't think most people go into headhunting and recruiting because that's what they dreamed of as a kid. Um, so, a firefighter, a ninja or recruiter. <laughs> um, so, but um, it's, it's that sense of, I love people. I love, solving problems. I love coming alongside companies and helping them figure out their wicked, wicked problems or wicked people problems. Um, or Rick, well, I should probably rephrase that wicked problems with people, not wicked people, but, uh, but yeah, fixing stuff, helping them consulting. And so we basically said we're a talent strategy company. We're not a recruiting company. We're a talent strategy company. And our mission is to equip companies to make just fantastic attraction, hiring, engagement, and development decisions so they meet their people and performance objectives um so we we had to kind of that was that's what our mission was uh and then that whole kind of why why do we do this? well uh the big big part for us was that we would ha- hire outstanding people number one um, our people come first who in turn would wow our partners so our partners come second and third would bring healthy profits for reinvesting in our people and communities so our whole end game is we're a for-profit company to give back to our people and our communities. So we, we set our goal as 30 million by 2030. Uh, following EOS, we have to have a you know a 10-year dream. What does our 10-year dream look like? And so that was our 10-year dream to give back 30 million bucks. Um, and uh, 
So there's our end game. And in the middle of there somewhere is customers, if you will, or we call them partners. Uh, but they're not the first, so which is very non-American. You know, we live in this uh, the customer's always right culture and uh, the customer's first. We, we chose to actually put our people first with a, with a deal. We have a caveat there. Um, it's not a great sales pitch when you go up to a company and say, listen, what, this is what it's like working with us. You're not number one. <laughs> you know? mm-hmm. It's not the best sales pitch. Um, but we, we, we have a deal with our employees and our team members. We say, we'll put you first as leaders. We have, we have uh, 900 customers right now. So we have 900 plus customers worldwide. There's no way as sort of visionary C or CEO that I can spend time with all of those customers. That's, that's our people's job. So we have a deal. It's, I'll put you first if you put them first. So I'll look after you. I got your back. I'll make sure that you've got all of the tools and resources and encouraged and supported and reminded of vision of where we're going. I'll make sure the company's kind of we're progressing and growing, but I'm thinking about you. Um, I don't wake up every morning thinking about our customers, but I, the deal is you have to think about our customers. Those who are interacting with our customers, you need to be relentlessly serving them. And, uh, and then we're going to do really well if that happens because we'll be, have a growing profitable company and we can all give back together. So we took our whole company down to Mexico and we built homes down there in February of this year. Uh, which is great to invite the entire company to go and go oh, three homes down there. And it was just so cool just to get everyone dirty, paintings, you know. Um, and it was, it was amazing to see that our team, this is a, the kind of uh, value and character of our team that said, why don't we pay, pay off? We'd already paid for the homes. They said, why don't we pay off the mortgages for the land that these three families are? Now, these families are earning less than 100 bucks a week. But they had to, part of the deal of this organization was they have to pay, uh, take a mortgage out on the land. They have to get approved for a mortgage for the land, which is um, it's basically, it's, I mean, it's a complete death trap. They'll never get out of it paying off their mortgage. And so our team said, well, we'll just we'll throw around a hat and we'll, we'll, we'll pay off all their, their land mortgages. So they totally did. I said, right, I paid for the houses. You can do it if you want. Um, so they did. Within 24 hours, they wiped out three families' mortgages on the land. Wow. So. But it was so great to see our people gripped with vision for um, generosity and giving back and transforming communities. Um, and so I've, it's, it's been really cool. That's just kind of our process of taking care of our own, uh, putting our people first, and they put our partners first. So, Oh, I love it. Yeah. I love it. And obviously, I mean, as a, as a CEO, there's, it's, not all, it's not all rosy and fantastic like that. What are... What are some of the biggest challenges, Jonathan, that you maybe have dealt with or typically deal with, I mean, as, as CEO of Titus Talent Strategies? <laughs> it's always people. Yeah. <laughs> I just talked all it about is. this raving commitment for people. But 90% of our issues are people issues. <laughs> um, but I, I think, you know, the, kidding aside, I mean, that's, that's what it comes down to. Of really, I think probably communication would be my biggest challenging area. Um, when we were small, we had sort of 10 people, the original group, uh, most of those are still, still with us today. Oh, they're all still with us today, I guess. Uh, but uh, really uh, communicating vision and why and every time we we're always changing, always adapting. And so um, it was, we, we, we said it was, we have a radical commitment to uncomfortable growth um, or a wholehearted commitment, sorry, to un- uncomfortable growth. And that's what we expected from our people, that they would be committed when we grew and the, the, the growing pains with it. And that's really easy when you're kind of 
going out and grabbing a beer at the end of the day and you just feel, oh man, we worked our tail off and we won together and we fought together in the trench and it's great. Now, eight years ago, we made a decision to become a 100% remote company. Uh, and we work really, really hard at communication and team and bringing everyone together and uh, connection and human connection. But uh, it's certainly the growth and the amount of people we have, close to 100 salaried team members around the country, um, have been made it really hard um, to make sure everybody's on the same page uh, when, we, when we make changes, which is always, uh, that they don't feel just, oh, my gosh, not again, another change. Um, so that's been hard for me as, a, as sitting in the visionary seat or CEO. Uh, I don't have the same intimate relationship with every team member. And so they, they, they don't have that sort of history with us. So you, we hired another person arrived last week, another one this week, joining our team and adding to our team. I have to remember, they don't have 10 years of history with me, of trust. Mm-hmm. that when we make changes, it's with them in mind. Because how, how so, many employees yeah, are you that's, at? That's probably too hard. How many employees are you at um, now, Jonathan? Oh, we're like around 80, 80 oh. salary team members. Okay. And uh, being 100% remote, I mean, holy smokes, that has to be an enormous challenge. And obviously, EO, you know, EOS is kind of the glue that I think can hold a, especially a remote organization together just because of the communication structure and stuff. But how, how do you develop, I mean, that team aspect? You know, you've mentioned a few things, you know, the team building type activities and stuff, but how do you continuously maintain that? that close team aspect and, and framework with everybody all over the country. Yeah, it's, um, it's a, a big investment. Some people, you know, as a business owner, you can look at the, the numbers and think, oh my gosh, I think how much we'd save on real estate if everyone was remote, which obviously a lot, just because of COVID, a lot of companies have had to shift to uh, partial or, or all remote where possible, or some companies can do it, they're mm-hmm. not in manufacturing or with machinery, et cetera. Um, and so they they shifted, um, but you you don't. It's not just kind of like, well, look at all those savings. You actually have to reinvest that in um, time for human connection. You have to reinvest it in physically bringing people together where possible. Um, I mean, you might have a highly engaged, high performing person who just craves FaceTime, not not via FaceTime on the phone, but like literally, let's go grab a meal together. And so you have to count for that and figure out where, where is that going to happen um, with those key people on our team? Um, it's uh, get them on a plane at times, get them to go and spend a few days together, then organizing a regional team event. And then uh, for us annually, we do um, uh, three days together. So I'm all planning 2021 and we, we, we build those around a theme. So this past year it was profits was the theme of number of people, partner profits. So this was the theme of profits the year. So we went and spent money together and built homes together. Um, and so next year, the focus again will be on our people. And so we'll spend three days together just focusing on the health and well-being of our people. Uh, and then the, the year after that will all be about our partners and it will be about the partner journey that they're on and how we how we just wow and blow the, blow the blow our partners away by their service and excellent service. So... But yeah, we, we have some definite tribal rhythms. Um, the EOS really helps out with L10s and same page meetings and quarterly conversations. That's great. But uh, we also have some other tribal rhythms of weekly, the, the company huddle, which mm-hmm. is very, very much a part of our DNA. Everybody speaks on the huddle as a question of the week. And uh, we get people to, to really uh, open up and be uh, as vulnerable as they want to be. 
um, in front of the whole company, but we ask a certain question and sometimes it's purely work related. Sometimes it's future of the business. Sometimes it's uh, just shouting out, uh, talking about our values, our live values um, and where we've seen other people go above and beyond. Um, and then once a month, it's tell us about what's going on in your life personally, non-work related. And people can be raw and real as they want or shallow, shallow and trivial. It's whatever they want to do. But it's amazing to see those really do bring our teams close together. Mm-hmm. Awesome. No, I love it. I, I know you mentioned the journey a minute or two ago when you said that, that, that perked my ears up because I love to dive into that in this show. And, you know, we've talked a little bit about your journey and such. And as a CEO, I know it's extremely important to you to support the journey of people on your team, part of your organization, and really offer them the opportunities um, that they have to work toward their goals, their dreams, their vision. How how do you support that at Titus? Because I know that's extremely important to you guys there as far as um, showing your employees, not the, not just that you support them, but uh, no matter where they, where they want to end up go, going, whether it's within your organization or beyond. Yeah, I think it's... Um statistically that you're seeing these big shift in generations. So the kind of boomer generation, their average tenure at a company was seven years. Uh, Gen X was five years. Millennials were three years and Gen Z are one to two. Wow. So if you look at that, you think, okay, now we've got millennials and Gen Z taking over the whole workforce. So over half the workforce are millennials and Gen Z. Um, and uh, you think, okay, there's, there's a, a temporal maybe a temporal view on work and employment. I'm not going to be here forever. So you can't recruit somebody using boomer terminology. So if you see like a boomer sitting in the interview, final interviews in the boomer, they say 60% of our workforce retire from here. That's not going to get them excited. <laughs> They're like, retire mm-hmm. from here. Are you kidding me? Like, I'll be here maybe a couple of years yeah. and then you, I'm moving on to do something else. You got, you, a ping, you got a ping pong table in here or video games? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> It's kind of like, you better pay me a lot of money to stay here, you know? <laughs> um, but the, 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 there are the values of each generation. I understand you can't label a whole generation. That's like labeling a, a race or a gender. You can't just say they are all like this. That's just not true. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is a part of the generations of the millennial and Gen Z is customize everything for me. And so because this is a gen, these are generations that have grown up with an app for everything. And you can customize that app so the experience is unique to you. So when when you interact with the app and that service or that tool or that resource or that uh, establishment that it's customized to you, you customize your drink at Starbucks. And if you want to go and order inside, you can. Or if you want to show up and just pick it up and not, not talk to a soul, you can do that too. But it's a customized experience. Now, we put people in the education system where we train them in this way and the education system in the United States is becoming more and more customized. Mm-hmm, definitely. And the problem with that is then we throw them into the workforce and we say, if you sit in this seat for three years, you may get promoted to a supervisor or a lead. Because I did it, therefore you can do it. And you've got this generation who's kind of rolling their eyes going, <laughs> one year in, I'm going to start looking for something different. Because I'm looking for a new experience. Mm-hmm. I want a new challenge and new experience. So because the statistics show that, we look at our team in the same way, saying, okay, we, we think of them in the context of 12 months. We can't think of them for three years. We can think of what's the challenge in the next 12 months? What is the professional development and experience that you need in the next 12 months? And how can I help you get there? Or 
another way of saying it is if a recruiter called you today and offered you an opportunity, most of it, I'd be willing to bet, bet that most of it you'll hang up on or delete the email or whatever it is. You're not, you're not interested. Because usually recruiters try and recruit people to do exactly the same job they're already doing. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> Thankfully, they don't, they don't work for Titus. <laughs> um, so uh, so we, we, um, we look at it from the angle of saying, okay, what would you listen to? Because we want to know that because it's our responsibility to wherever we possibly can to provide that for you. And it might be that they really, really, really want to do something that's nothing to do with our business. They want to start their own business. And one of our values is entrepreneurial. Do you think we attract entrepreneurial people? Yeah. And they get bored and they want to go and do their own thing at times. So, so we're always trying to provide that next challenge for people. And those are great rhythms to talk about on quarterly conversations. What's next for you and what can we provide for you? Where, where, where's the next promotional stretch for you? Um, and is it something that we can provide? Or if not, can we prepare you for it? So if they say, I want to do this thing, well, that's nothing to do. You know, we had somebody recently, they left to go work with a not-for-profit they were really passionate about. Well, I, I can't provide that. It was amazing, the opportunity. It's what they wanted. It was their why. Their why didn't line up with our why. It's totally cool. Great standing, wonderful person, complete top performer. There's no way I could make up for that. I go, well, can I throw more money at you? Would you stay? That wasn't important to them. So we said, well, how do we help prepare you for that next move then? Is there anything that you'd like to gain from us here that will serve you in the next step? And so privilege of being a part of people's journey, I think, is really important. That both sides should be privileged that we get to be a part of one another's journey for the, te- the, the season that we're a part of each other. So, so yeah, I think uh, that's a big, big thing for us. We, we do keep a... A written list and understand what's important to each person and try and provide those. We had somebody who literally said, this next 12 months, I would love to get on a plane and go meet with one of our clients. I'm like, that, that's it? That's all you want to do? You just want to go on a plane? And it was just like, yeah, I just feel like I'd be growing professionally. I work from home every day, so mm-hmm. it's really nice to just get on a plane and put on, a, put on some nice clothes and go meet with a client. I'm like, oh. So we spend hardly anything, and that's what Little tiny investment. It's good. It could. Uh, you would leave for that. Like if somebody called you and told you it was a traveling job and you're going to go travel every now and again, that would have made you be tempted to leave us. No, well, thanks for letting us know. All we need to do is get you on a plane then. Yeah, um, and, and so very much, very cheap, cheap so, investment. Yeah, so much is just about listening. I mean, just listen to your employees. You know, give them give them a runway of what to expect, what to see, where they can go. Um, and, and yeah. listen, I, I just, I just don't think enough leaders, whether it's management, whether it's, um, upper management, whatever it may be, just don't do a good enough job of just plain listening to their employees and really connecting on that personal, emotional level. I'm a huge, huge, huge believer in that of, you know, business, business is personal. Yeah, it's, um, no, I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you on that. Um, and it's not, that's something I, not not naturally strong at uh, slowing down um, and taking the time to really listen. That's something I have to force myself to. Uh, and I'm really thankful for a load of our leaders, our people leaders in our company, who um, have got that rhythm down, but also have really worked to invest in that as a strength and understanding their teams. Um, so I, I'll tell you one other dynamic for us. We do use psychometric assessments. And so we understand that each person's behavior profile is, is unique and different, but understanding that and using it to manage and coach and to uh, adapting our leadership style per individual 
is really, really helpful. Having those data points. And so we bake all of that into our quarterly conversations and same page meetings around um, people's behavior profiles. So we're, we've, we've, it's a, one of our business services to provide companies with um, implemented uh, psychometric assessments and uh, use them for their coaching and management of people, which has been amazing. Yeah, get to get to know people on a personal level, not just their skill set. So it makes such a difference. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's let's so talk true. about. Um, I know you have a couple big things coming up. Number one is um, hire for performance. You guys are launching a new manage for performance process and platform now. Um, that's really about helping leaders manage, develop their people ev- even further. Let's start with that. With that, uh, Jonathan, tell us a little bit about that. Well, this is, you're, you're not being very fair here. I told you that in private, and I've not even told our company yet. I mean, it's definitely sitting on our leadership team level. Do you not want to cover um, that? So that what, <laughs> no, we can't. I'm kidding. Oh. Uh, it's fine. <laughs> well, it's fine. Uh, I am very excited about it. It is definitely what's on the horizon for us. So rewinding back to our mission statement around equipping companies to make a, gr- a great attraction, hiring, engagement, and development decisions, all built around performance. So... Um, I think we're the only company that does this guaranteeing 100% performance. Uh, everything with, uh, with that is all great. Um, but we wanted to actually create a system and a platform for performance management. A lot of performance management is comes from an HR perspective mm-hmm. uh, as opposed to um, the company goals and performance goals and growth goals. So every, every um, position that we work with, and we do this for our clients, is saying, okay, Let's craft performance goals and objectives for every position in your company. Let's upload them into a system and a platform. And let's, um, let's have a dashboard for every manager, every individual, every leader, so they know where they stand from performance management and outcomes. Um, and it really, what is something a couple of years back, I said, can I, have a, can I press a button? And it shows me every one of our team members with all of the criteria that we look at from performance management it also shows kind of quarterly conversations and people analyze the stuff. I want all that in there too. But I want to be able to see it in a quick dashboard that I can see who the most productive people are, uh, who are the most aligned by our values. Mm-hmm. Uh, they get it, want it, capacity to do it. I want to see it all together in one platform. Uh, and so that I can say, right now, uh, this, is, this sounds kind of a bit crass, but right now, could I press the button and see who the most valuable person in the organization is? And on the flip side, who's the least valuable at this point in time? Yep. Because in fairness, if I know that, should they know that? Um, and um, I, I find a lot of times we we listen a lot to the the greasy wheel, the sorry, the squeaky wheel. Whereas we should, if if I could actually let that person know where they sit and where they stand, there's a transparency there. I'd probably find that those people are not squeaking as much if they're not performing like um, other people in the company. And so I don't want to spend my time um, adapting company ways of doing things for people who are just squeaking and squawking. But I really want to know what performance management is at because a lot of engagement stuff that's out there, engagement platforms, they're, they're great. But can you really show me the ROI on that? Um, and I want to know, is it actually helping us hit our company goals and growth goals um, faster? And if not, that's not really what I want to be listening to and determining the the, the path of our company. Mm-hmm. So employee happiness, you find a lot of companies do this, that our oh, people aren't happy. Let's quickly change and adapt so they're all happy. Um, but happiness, if, 
happiness is not necessarily helping us hit our, our mission goals and objectives. And so I want to actually look at performance and then we can work our way back in. As long as performance is there, then we can work talk about beanbags and company trips and award trips, but we have to be performing. And so if we can break performance down to an individual level and a management level and a team level, that's now we're talking. So I'm very excited about that. Um, the launch of uh, our new platform around uh, performance management and uh, call it Manage for Performance. Awesome. Um, yeah. And happier people, obviously, are going to be higher performers, too. Well, yeah. Uh, and I can tell you right now who isn't. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so on on top uh, yeah. on top of the performance platform um, that you guys are going to be launching, uh, you have a book also in the works, correct? Yeah, yeah. It's um, reluctantly um, I'm giving in on this one. <laughs> um, keep being told, um, we love knowledge transfer. We love training our clients and equipping them on some of these methodologies around the higher for performance and head heart briefcase and. Um, so we have these training workshops that we do. We do them remote um, or virtual, and we do them on site. We go to our clients, and we tr do these half-day workshops. And often people say, I love this binder. I love all of these works, the resources and tools. But you guys should have a book. And uh, we'd love to hand this off to different new managers that are coming up. And so we're like, all right, fine. So we finally gave in. And I think because of this COVID year, there are a lot of things that suddenly freed up time. We weren't traveling as much, speaking at conferences or whatever. Mm -hmm. Like, all right, what the heck? Let's, let's work on the book. So it is something that we're working uh, feverishly hard on wrapping up the end of this year. Uh, we're launching it at the EOS, EOS uh, conference. It's very EOS-esque um, uh, in the sense of I love the, um, the uh, process. So we've basically taken the, the people, sorry, the process component of EOS and applied that to the people component mm -hmm. and helped put structure around that and we turned that into books. So, it's, you know, uh, all around kind of how the heck do I get the right person in the right seat? That's the, really the theme of it, um, because it's a great idea, but people often struggle on how to actually do it. Yeah, definitely not easy to do within a company. You know, right person, that right values fit, cultures fit in the right seat. Uh, two things, get them mm -hmm. love what they're doing or get them uh, doing what they love and get them what they're doing, what they're really, really good at. You know, I think uh, I think a lot yeah. of companies miss miss that piece. Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, and we're we're not perfect, and because people are not machines, so you can't program them. They wake up every day. I mean, I woke up today with a different uh, mindset than yesterday. I was on vacation yesterday. I woke up today. I'm not on vacation. Yeah, that, there are things in our world that affect us. I got kids. I got teenagers. They 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 have impact on me. So what you're going to experience from working with Jonathan on one day of the week from a different way of the week, I recognize that I change. I adapt. I'm I'm a um, if impacted and affected by my environment. And so is everyone in our company. So we have to uh, be okay with the fact that, that people are not machines. It's not a complete science, but it certainly helps putting process around things. Uh, so, so, yeah, that's uh, very, very thankful for EOS in all of the processes that we follow and run. And uh, there's no way we'd be where we're at without it. Yeah. Yeah, like you said, people by far are the most, they're the most valuable piece of your business, no doubt. So... Well, yeah, Jonathan, sure. I I, uh, I greatly appreciate you being on the show here. Uh, we definitely look forward to the book coming out, and I know uh, I've greatly enjoyed working with you guys thus far, and um, can't can't wait to do uh, to do some more business together. So, where where can our listeners find you and, and uh, follow up with you? Yeah, um, I mean, LinkedIn's a great place, Jonathan Reynolds 
on LinkedIn with Titus Talent Strategies. Um, uh, you can go to jonathanreynolds.life as well. It's kind of a speaking speaking site. Uh, some of our training there. TitusTalent.com. Hit us up there, and uh, and then any, any of the social media channels. But uh, welcome, uh, welcome a call or a um, exploration of how we can serve you in any way. Hey, awesome, awesome, sweet. Well, thanks again. Um, and with that, uh, don't forget to follow me, everybody, on LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, uh, at Patrick Metzger Coaching. Uh, thanks so much for tuning into the episode. Be sure to subscribe to, rate the podcast. Uh, show notes, as you know, can be found on my website at patrick-metzger.com. And uh, again, lastly, as always, take a screenshot of today's show. Take myself, take Jonathan, Titus Talent Strategies. Um, share it with somebody, maybe a manager, maybe your CEO that's um, looking for uh, that right person for, for that right seat within their business. So uh, until next time, I want to remind you to own you and the journey.